Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Today is book review number one. This is a new segment for both the YouTube channel and for the podcast where I'm going to actually review books that I'm reading throughout the year. Uh, in 2020, I had the goal of reading 30 books and I achieved it. And now, I, you know, moving into 2021, I was trying to decide what's my new goal going to be. I finally decided on increasing the number from 30 books to 40 books. But when I posted the books that I read over 2020, I had many people ask me, will you please do a book review on your YouTube channel and podcast? And by many people, I mean one person. But hey, for me, that's a lot of people. So I thought it would be a fun new segment. Hopefully you guys get value out of this. Today, we are going to be reviewing the dynasty about the new england patriots franchise and then we're also going to be reviewing world of wonders in praise of fireflies whale sharks and other astonishments these are the first two books that i've read so far in 2021 but i want to start off with the dynasty written by jeff benedict okay now i will warn you that during my reviews there will be some partial spoilers during it now, in this book, The Dynasty, it's not really a spoiler because it's nonfiction and it's written about the history of the New England Patriots. But if you don't know a whole lot about the New England Patriots and, and their franchise over the past 20, 30 years, it might be considered a spoiler. So with that being said, if you want to stop now, you can. I don't think this is going to ruin the book, though. And, and what I want to share about this and, and why I'm, I'm wanting to bring this book to your attention is because I think as an entrepreneur, there's a lot that can be learned from the New England Patriots franchise. I felt that way prior to reading this book, just being a, a New England Patriots fan. So as you can tell, I'm wearing my New England Patriots hoodie. And then, of course, I've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hat on because, hey, any Patriots fan absolutely loves Tom Brady. So we're all pulling for Brady to go get his seventh ring this year with the Buccaneers. But for anyone that has, has followed this journey, what you've realized is, is that the NFL, the, the league in which the New England Patriots play in, put in rules in the 90s to create parity. They wanted an even playing field across the board with free agency, the way they do the draft and things along those lines. And that's what makes the New England Patriots the greatest sports dynasty in the world. Because during that time, they have gone to 10 Super Bowls, won six championships. They won an NFL record, 11 straight division championships. Just incredible what they've been able to do. So a couple of things that sort of stood out about this book to me was how Jeff Benedict actually portrayed the New England Patriots and, and how he wanted to tell their story. And he really solely focused on Robert Kraft, the owner, Bill Belichick, the head coach, and Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback and greatest football player of all time. And how their relationship 
grew, evolved, and and how they kind of fought off each other's egos to keep the dynasty together for two decades. And I found that to be extremely entertaining throughout, not only as a New England Patriots fan and a Tom Brady fan, uh, but just as an entrepreneur, a business owner, and, and just someone that wanted to, to read something about pure greatness. I mean, this is very rare for us to be able to see what the Patriots created as an organization. So the story actually starts with following Robert Kraft uh, back in the 70s, becoming a season ticket holder. Um, it talked about how he was a self-made millionaire with his businesses as an entrepreneur and, and he, how he spoke into existence that he wanted to own the New England Patriots one day. Uh, he spoke that into existence and then he went out and made it happen. And so the, the first thing that really just like drew me to this book and just was like, wow, this is incredible, was what Robert Kraft had to go through to actually purchase the New England Patriots from the aspects of, you know, he, he bought the Foxborough Stadium first. He bought the parking lot surrounding Foxborough Stadium, the fights that he had with the different ownerships. Um, it was kind of a unique situation there where at one point in time, the Patriots were sold to basically a temporary owner. And, and that temporary owner really wanted to move the New England Patriots to St. Louis. And it almost happened, which is crazy to think about that the New England Patriots franchise was almost not even a franchise in New England in the Boston, Massachusetts area anymore. And they almost got moved to St. Louis. And without Robert Kraft and his efforts, that would have happened. That's insane to think about, especially as a Patriots fan. I was a child when this was happening. I didn't even know it was happening. Um, but the story about Robert Kraft having to go to a bank in Boston and essentially tell them on nothing more than his track record as a business owner and just have good faith in him to loan him the money to purchase the New England Patriots for $165 million um, was insane. And then the fact that the owner of the Patriots at the time that was trying to move the team to St. Louis actually offered him $75 million. Like there was a group of investors that came together and essentially said, Robert, we will pay you $75,000 right now to not buy the New England Patriots. And uh, his wife actually kind of semi lost her mind and was like, wait, you're telling me we're going $165 million in debt, but we could just make $75, $75 million today to not do it, to do nothing. And, and Robert Kraft had such passion and a vision for what he wanted to do with the New England Patriots. He went through with it. Um, and then carried on to the relationship he had with Bill Parcells, who was the current head coach of the New England Patriots, one of the greatest coaches in NFL history. And, and it was a very sour relationship. There was a lot of arguments back and forth. Uh, but he grew very close to Drew Bledsoe, who was the current head coach or current quarterback of the New England Patriots. And it, it talked about his relationship there. Uh, with Drew, and 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 that's important because Drew was the quarterback that Tom Brady eventually replaced. 
and in the relationship that Robert Kraft had with Drew Bledsoe, I think helped with the transition there. I mean, it, it was a replacement due to injury. And, and that was Drew did it with nothing but pure class. And, uh, and that kind of springboarded the Patriots to what they ended up becoming. I think Drew was a huge part of that. He could have caused a lot of drama within the organization, but I think because of his relationship with Robert Kraft, that didn't happen. It also talks about the greatest trade in NFL history. A lot of people talk about the Cowboys trading Herschel Walker and getting all of these first-round draft picks. But to me, the greatest trade ever made in NFL history was the New England Patriots and Robert Kraft deciding <clears throat> excuse me, that he would trade a first-round draft pick plus other other items. I think there was multiple draft picks and even some cash consideration there uh, for Bill Belichick to become the head coach of the New England Patriots. And the reason why this is such a great trade is not necessarily because of the end result. It's the end result, but also because it was very controversial for Kraft to make the trade for Belichick because at the time Belichick was nothing more than a 500 coach at his first coach head coaching stint with the Cleveland Browns. He was well known for having a sour personality. He wasn't very well liked. Other NFL owners told Robert Kraft, you're insane for doing this. And it was literally on nothing more than Kraft having a relationship with Belichick after coach being an assistant coach for the Patriots for one season under Bill Parcells. And, and it was Kraft's man and he saw greatness in Belichick and as a, a visionary and a business owner, and the owner of the New England Patriots. I think Robert Kraft doesn't get nearly the credit that he should for spearheading bringing Bill Belichick in. And, you know, Bill Belichick is the reason why they drafted Tom Brady in the sixth round with 199th, you know, pick in the draft. Um, they didn't even need a quarterback at the time. They, they didn't. They, they actually had too many quarterbacks under contract on, on the roster but he saw something in Tom Brady, and they drafted him. Brady ended up making the team as a, a third uh, backup quarterback, uh, third string, which is very rare for an NFL team to carry three quarterbacks, but he did. And then his second season, he became the backup, and that's when Bledsoe got hurt. And Brady came in, and his first game that he ever started was against Peyton Manning and the, the Indianapolis Colts uh, to a, just a – crazy uh unforeseen victory and and brady went on to lead the patriots to a super bowl victory in 2001 the year of 9 11 and and it talks in the book about how robert Kraft and jonathan Kraft, his son were were in the restroom during halftime u2 is performing and, and many consider u2's performance of the 2001 uh, Super Bowl halftime show, the, one of the greatest performances ever because it's very emotional. It was an emotional time in the United States because of 9-11 and what had happened. And and U2 was doing essentially a show uh, to, to show their respects to the, the victims and what had happened in the United States. And uh, Jonathan Kraft, Robert's son, said, what are you going to say if we win this thing? And uh, Robert said, I don't know. Why don't you write me something? I'm going to watch the halftime show. 
And, and Jonathan Kraft came up with the great saying, so when they eventually won, Adam Vinatieri kicks the game-winning field goal after Tom Brady leads them down the field with a great game-winning drive. Vinatieri kicks the game-winning field goal, and uh, Robert Kraft is presented the Super Bowl trophy, and, and Robert Kraft says, we are all Patriots, and today the Patriots are world champions. And that ended up becoming essentially his his statement that he always said when they won the Super Bowl. And uh, what a great quote by Robert Kraft, written by Jonathan Kraft. Uh, the, the book carries on, you know, about the relationship that Brady had with Belichick. And it's funny because, and I don't know if, if Jeff Benedict, the author, did this intentionally or not. But at times, the way the story was portrayed is early on, Brady and Belichick had a great relationship. And, and Belichick was just in love with the player that Brady was. And they won three Super Bowls in four years. They missed the playoffs in 2002. And then they win the, the Super Bowl in 2003 and 2004. And then they fall in some hard times, right? They They lose. In the playoffs in 2005 they lose in the playoffs in 2006 and then in 2007 we talked about the year that the patriots went 16 and 0 in the regular season uh one of only two teams to ever go undefeated in the regular season the only team to ever go 16 and 0 in the regular season and they were 18 and 0 going into the super bowl where they lost to eli manning and the new york giants but the interesting thing about that season to me that that benedict really portrays is how hard Belichick was on the entire team, but especially Brady. It talks about Randy Moss coming in and being signed in the offseason to be a part of the New England Patriots. Actually, they traded for him, I believe. And uh, he comes in, and the first day, uh, Belichick is showing uh, game film from the Patriots losing the Indianapolis Colts in the 2006 AFC Championship game. And, and he talks about how he's just ripping Brady apart. There's a mistake by Brady. We got to make this pass right here, Brady. And Brady's reaction was he was just taking notes and taking it all in. And Randy Moss looked at another uh, newly signed player to the Patriots. He said, man, what have we gotten ourselves into? And, and Belichick throughout that entire 2007 season just shredded the team and demanded perfection from them. And, and got it all the way up until an amazing performance uh, by the Giants defense. And, and, of course, you had the David Tyree helmet catch where he pinned the ball on his helmet, and, uh, and the Giants ended up winning that. And then Brady suffered the ACL injury in the first game of 2008. And that really kind of those two years is where I saw Jeff Benedict kind of portray the relationship between Brady and Belichick really changed. Belichick became extremely concerned about Brady's ability to continue to perform at a top level. His age was a concern. Was he going to be able to come back after the ACL injury? And Robert Kraft never changed his opinion about either Belichick or Brady. Even though Belichick had this new way of thinking about Brady, he never sat there and thought about, well, maybe we should get rid of Belichick and bring somebody in here who's going to have faith in, in my quarterback. He trusted both of them to work. And so 
it seemed like they had a good working relationship, but personally, there was nothing there. You know, they really kind of kind of distanced themselves, didn't really talk very much. I found that to be extremely interesting that that started all the way back in the 2009 season. And then to actually, as a, as a Patriots fan, I obviously lived through these years, but to actually see Jeff Benedict talk about the 2009 season, the 2010, the 2011, the 2012, I mean, there was a Super Bowl in there, another Super Bowl where the Patriots lost to the Giants, 2013, years and years went by. A decade goes by from the time the Patriots had won the third Super Bowl before they finally win their fourth Super Bowl due to Malcolm Butler's amazing interception at the goal line uh, against the Seattle Seahawks. And to see the fact that there was never a thought by Kraft of getting rid of Belichick or Belichick ever really thinking about getting rid of Brady. He was concerned about his age, and he did. He showed that by not really wanting to give Brady long-term extensions, but he was always bringing him back on a year-in and year-out basis. And it's amazing to think about a decade went by where essentially all there was in that decade was two Super Bowl losses to the New York Giants, and outside that, there was just failed uh, seasons especially to a team that had won three out of four Super Bowls starting off with such a young quarterback, uh, what at, at that time would be considered a younger coach. And it was amazing to see the faith that Robert Kraft had in Brady and, and Belichick. And I think Jeff Benedict did a great job of doing that by interviewing other players, interviewing people throughout Fox, ESPN, ABC, uh, CBS, uh, doctors, trainers. It was just amazing to see other coaches, assistant coaches, and really getting their perspective and their quotes throughout. So I thought Jeff Benedict did a great job really portraying those years and what it was as a struggle, but still having the faith that they were going to get somewhere. And then, of course, the Patriots then go off and they win. Uh, another amazing come from behind Super Bowl where they were behind 28 to three against the Atlanta Falcons. I will say if the book was lacking anywhere throughout, there was times where as a Patriots fan, I remember these games very vividly, especially the 28 to three come from behind against the Atlanta Falcons. Maybe those games could have deserved a little bit more detail. And, and maybe that was just because I felt like it was rushed a little bit in comparison to some of the other stories that were really talked about. For example, Spygate, Deflategate, and then the Aaron Hernandez murder. I mean, he really went into a lot of details about those. And earlier on, there was a lot of details about Bill Parcells and, and his relationship with Kraft or the lack thereof. And what happened with Bill Parcells when he left in the Pete Carroll area era and things like that, those got a lot of attention. I felt like at times there were some really some of the most amazing games, quite possibly the Patriots have played in several of the top ever Super Bowls ever played. I felt like those could have used a little bit more details and a little bit more attention. But outside that, that was really the only flaw. And then you make it to, okay, the, the Patriots now have won six Super Bowl championships. We have Brady's final season. 
in in 2019 with the New England Patriots. And, you know, it was crazy to think about the fact that pretty much everybody within the New England Patriots organization had a feeling that that was going to be Brady's last season. Um, there was some ego in play there between Belichick and, and Brady. I think Belichick just did not believe uh, that that Brady was going to be able to last as long as he did. And, and there were some other details in regards to the story there. You know, there was Brady's personal trainer, the TB12 method, um, the trainer wanting to get other players involved with the TB12 method, like Rob Gronkowski and things like that. But uh, Jeff Benedict then did a great job of thoroughly explaining what, as a, a massive Patriots fan, I never knew, um, which was Brady coming to Kraft's house during COVID, the early stages of COVID, and, and telling Robert, I'm going to go elsewhere. It's what's best for my family. And that's, he had pretty much already decided he wasn't going to be a New England Patriot anymore. And that was the, the night that his contract expired. He told Robert Kraft that. Um, overall, amazing, amazing book in the fact that it just captured so many details about, uh, you know, the greatest sports franchise dynasty ever. Um, I give the dynasty five out of five stars. I don't think that I'm going to do that with very many books. Um, but for me, like I said, the only thing that I felt like he could have done better was on some of the games. He could have gone into a little bit more details, but that's just because I'm, I remember them so vividly. They were thoroughly explained. You, you fully understood everything that happened in the games. And there were so many things about the Patriots that I didn't know that I learned through this book. So to anyone out there, sports fan, football fan, entrepreneur, business owner, it doesn't matter. I think there's something in this book that you can take away and learn, especially from Robert Kraft and how he's handled his organization. Okay. So that's the dynasty written by Jeff Benedict. The other book that I want to go over completely different, okay? This is World of Wonders in Praise of Fireflies, Whale Sharks, and Other Astonishments, okay? And bear with me if I butcher this, but this is written by Amy Nezakuma Tatel. okay? We're, we're just gonna roll with that. I'm not gonna try that again. Um, but I picked this up. Uh, this is the Barnes and Noble Book of the Year, okay? and this book I found to be very interesting, okay? Couple of things about me and books, okay? I First and foremost, one of my favorite places in the world to ever go to is Barnes & Noble, okay? I love it. Um, I really hope that Barnes & Noble can survive uh, long enough that, that Amazon and online shopping never wipes out because going to, but there's something about going to a bookstore. And so many people say, you can't judge a book by its cover, okay? I disagree. I have I have always judged books by its covers. I, I think there's something to be said about the artwork and the way the title is portrayed and things along those lines. And this one really stood out to me. Now, it was the Barnes & Noble Book of the Year, okay? Uh, but 
and and they had it sitting right by the 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 cash register when I was cashing out. But the artwork on this and the fact that she picked in praise of fireflies, whale sharks, and other astonishments. And I'm looking on here and I'm seeing, you know, you got flamingos, you got the whale shark, you got a narwhal, uh, peacocks, you know, you got these brightly colored flowers. You know, I don't even know what kind of animal this one is. Uh, and so I'm like, all right, it's relatively short. It's the book of the year. Let's give it a shot. So Amy is, is a poet, okay? And what this book revolves around is these creatures or plants, okay? These astonishing things that really don't get a whole lot of, uh, I guess, press written about them or people don't really talk about them or even think about them. Narwhals, whale sharks, cockatiels, flamingos. And, and these are astonishing creatures to her. And so... She talks about the impact that they've had on her life. And then she kind of brings it around and she uses the analogy of the animal or the, the plant. And she kind of uses it as an analogy to her own life. And each chapter revolves around a different animal or a different plant. Uh, there's one chapter in here about the vampire squid. And it talks about how the vampire squid lives down in the midnight zone of the ocean and how it's all alone. And then she compares that as an analogy to a dark time in her life where she was living in a dark place and all by herself. And it's kind of written in a theme of poetry, I guess you could say. Um, I will say, I think at times certain chapters captured me more than others. Uh, I found myself drawn more to the chapters that were revolving around animals than I did the flowers and the plants. Um, those sometimes were seemed to be a little bit stretching for me to find the analogy. And maybe that's just because I'm more of an animal person than I am a plant person. Uh, but I love trees, and, and there was a couple chapters in here about trees, and I, I still just found it to be a little bit of a stretch. Um I will say the size of the book made a difference for me <clears throat> without the size being what it is and without, you know, it being a very easy read, right? I probably wouldn't have purchased the book. I probably would have looked at it and said, I don't know if that's a good fit for me, right? But after I read it, I found myself a little bit disappointed in the fact that I don't know Fireflies was the beginning and the end. And she tried to bring it full circle. I just felt like it missed a little bit. And it left me saying, I wish there was a little bit more length to the book. I wish there would have been a little bit more to it. Um, some of the chapters, I wish she would have gone into a little bit more depth as to her analogy and how she was bringing it full circle. So overall, I will give this book three out of five stars. I think it's worthy of a read, okay? I, I don't think anybody out there should say, ah, I don't think so. A, because it's easy. And I think there's certain, certain chapters that were amazing. Flat out, there were multiple chapters in this book that made me emotional. But I also found myself in some chapters kind of thinking about other things. 
And I never felt that way during the dynasty. Could just be because it was about my favorite football team of all time. But I don't think so. Being honest with you, I think it had a lot to do with the fact of how the story was told by Jeff Benedict and also about the subject matter, which is quite possibly one of the best run football businesses and sports businesses of all time. So with that being said, I recommend both books. But between the two, I found the dynasty to be far superior. I found World of Wonders to be a worthy read, something that you could probably knock out in a couple of days and move on to your next book. All right, guys, I hope you all enjoyed my first book review of the Dynasty and World of Wonders. Um, this is new for me, right? For anybody that's followed my YouTube channel or, or the podcast, this is something completely different. So if you've made it this far, leave me a comment, please. Let me know. Share it out. Share the video. Share the podcast out and tag me in it. And let me know your thoughts. Good, bad, or indifferent. But regardless, if you're listening on iTunes, remember I only accept five-star reviews. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you give us a like. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and hit the notification bell. All right, guys. We'll see you all next week. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault. Titanium Vault.